then let's get into it. That is ELO and Mr. Blue Sky on the Richie Allen Show, 13 minutes past six, just before we welcome my friend Kevin Barrett back to the program. This from Spiro Skouras. He sent me this about 10 minutes. Oh. Old enough to remember the time the US through Ukraine. Yes. They installed a puppet regime and safely airlifted all of the gold from the banks. Isn't it amazing? As the narrative begins to shift and millions around the world stand in defiance to COVID-1984, a war breaks out. What are the chances, he says, as the narrative begins to shift and people stand up against COVID-1984, we get a war. What are the chances? Don't look here. Look over there, Suspiro. Klaus Schwab bragged and admitted on camera many world leaders, including Putin, are graduates from the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Program, he says. Russia established a centre in a country to foster the World Economic Forum's fourth industrial revolution. It is my opinion, he says, in order to usher in the Great Reset, a new system of control, they need to destroy the current system of control. We are witnessing the end of the unipolar era, transitioning into a multipolar era. The West will fall, giving rise to a new order by design. And he says, ready for a Great Reset, anyone? It's my pal Spiro Skouras there. Kevin Barrett's a brilliant broadcaster and writer, academic, of course. TruthJihad.com, check him out. Back to the program. Lovely to have you back. Hey, it's great to be back with you, Richie. Although it's crazy times. It's crazy times. I'd invited you to come on early next week, and we said we'd do it today instead. I really appreciate you coming on. Now, you um, contributed many an excellent segment to Press TV. Um, I knew Mehdi and some of his staff in Hangar Lane in London. I liked them. I liked what Press TV was doing. It lost its Ofcom license for no good reason. That was tyrannical. Now they are um, looking to do the same thing to Russia today here in the UK. The British government is going after it, wanting it to be banished from British television screens. It doesn't get any worse than that, Kevin, does it? In terms of free speech and freedom of expression for politicians to be getting rid of the media. These are deadly times. Yes, well, they've been working on this for a while. I think a decision was made a while back that they just couldn't allow the free Internet to continue. And I think the biggest single reason for that was the rise of the 9-11 truth movement. We had a loose change go viral and get 100 million views almost overnight at one point. Uh, the poll showed that suddenly in 2006, 36% of the American people uh, thought that it was very likely or likely that 9-11 was a false flag inside job designed to trigger American wars abroad. So... So many people saw through 9-11, thanks to the free Internet, that Cass Sunstein, Obama's information czar, had to write that book. On, it's called Conspiracy Theories, Causes and Cures, in which he said someday we'll have to imprison the conspiracy theorists, but in the meantime, we should cognitively infiltrate them and then disable the purveyors of conspiracy theories. And so they've been using all sorts of nefarious means ever since then to sort of gradually uh, crank down on the free Internet. And now we're reaching this crisis point, and we can see what it really was all about. You know, the time that they need absolute information control is wartime, and we're moving into wartime. And the reason we're moving into wartime is that this decrepit Anglo-Zionist empire that's running on fumes, it's running on these U.S. petrodollars backed by absolutely nothing, printed in immense profusion by the world's biggest criminals, 
Uh, That system is falling apart. It's clear that a few years from now, nobody will accept these pieces of green paper anymore for real goods and services. So the empire is basically dead. Its only hope is to wage a preemptive war to destroy its competitors. And that's what they did with COVID-1984, which was a U.S. biological warfare attack on China and Iran. And that's what they're doing now by goading the Russian bear into starting a war in Ukraine. What about that? Let's get this out of the way before we continue to talk, because I, I'll get hammered if I don't bring it up. What about the idea that the entire thing is theatre? Like Spiro mentioned there, and I like Spiro, like, like yourself, he's very level-headed, and he look at things from every angle. Putin is a young Global Leaders Programme graduate from the World Economic Forum. What if the whole thing is one big massive game? And, uh, and, and that we're being hoodwinked at every turn, at every corner. And that Russia is just another empire. And that Russia and Putin are just another face of a dystopian Orwellian agenda. I, I consider that. I, I do every day. I'm guessing you don't, you don't go along with that. Well, yeah, I agree that Russia and China are other faces of a dystopian future and they are empires. Uh, yeah. So that part's true. But I think they're competing as well as cooperating. You know, the people who imagine that there is one single power pyramid with a single eye in the top of the pyramid that is controlling everything and the rest is all illusion and theater, I think are misunderstanding something very basic about how reality and in particular, say, biological reality works, which is that all organisms, including humans, both compete and cooperate. So there, there's both competition and cooperation, and when the cooperation is secret, it's called conspiracy. And when the competition gets intense, it's called war. And that's just the way it works. And so these empires are not run by one eye in the top of the pyramid. They are dystopian. They're all being driven towards dystopia through technological so-called advances, which are actually not advances at all from the point of the human, view of the human spirit. But so they're all evil, yeah, to some degree or another. But I, I, th- I think the uh, the Anglo-Zionist Empire right now is by far the greater evil, and it is in real competition with these other empires. It's a good point you make. Yeah, it, it is certainly the the most malevolent. R- Russia Russia hasn't in in recent years or times it hasn't been going around raining tomahawk missiles down on countries and killing people. Um, look, we could talk about Afghanistan, but that's, 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 how old was I? Five, six. Yeah, but in recent years, whether it's Afghanistan, Iraq, whether it's Libya, whether it's Eastern Europe, yes, it's been the United States, it's been the UK, it's been France, it's been Israel. Of course it has. But, um, I, you're leaving room there. I like that. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. You're leaving room for, you know, for, for some element of control, but also for some element of free will that you got these competing, um, gigantic uh, empires, you know, th- th- that, th- that there is some sort of natural competition thing going on there. It's good. It's good to leave. It's, it's good to leave room for shades of grey. Not everything is black and white. I do. I do like that. Um, look, I've got to be the devil's advocate because uh, we share, you know, we see things very similarly, um, maybe too similarly for us to be having an interview. So I'll be the devil's advocate. Why doesn't Putin or Vladimir Putin, the president of the Russian Federation, why doesn't he make room for um, pro-Russian Ukrainians in Russia and just leave Ukraine to its own devices? The vast majority, you and I both know the, Maid, the, 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 the Maidan 
a revolution was nonsense. It was false flag stuff supported by the United States of America. We know all that. Uh, the sniper shootings, all of this was nonsense. Yanukovych was overthrown by the United States. I agree with all that. No doubt about that. But it would appear that the great majority of Ukrainians are happy not to be under the control of, of Russia and Vladimir Putin. So why not just, why not just leave them alone? Well, I'm not sure how huge the great majority is. I, I, as I understand it, maybe a third of the population of Ukraine is Russian speaking. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's not far from that. And, uh, that group was contributing to the election of Yanukovych, who was overthrown in that NATO coup in Maidan. And, uh, so I, I you know, I, I don't think it's, it's absolutely clear what the real will of the Ukrainian people are, especially given the fact that the so-called will of so many people these days is basically manufactured by these gigantic uh, consent, consent manufacturing industries. But uh, y- your question is a good one, Richie. Why didn't Putin do what I actually was predicting that he was going to do, which is uh, save the Russian speakers fr- from Donetsk and Luhansk and re- let them come to Russia, basically allow uh, the ethnic cleansing or genocide of Ukraine to continue, uh, to evacuate them and save those, the survivors. Of course, they've been, you know, they've been shelled now. They're under constant shelling and bombardment of civilian areas, and they've been that way for years. So why didn't Putin just evacuate them? And that's what I thought was happening when he announced that evacuation, what, several days ago. Yeah. Uh, and then he could have actually denied that part of Ukraine to the Ukrainians with long-range weapons, and he wouldn't have had to ever cross the border or invade anything. And it would have been much harder for the um, the Western media to spin it as an evil Russian aggression. And that's, I think, what uh, you know, various people uh, have been suggesting he might do, and that's what I thought he would do. So why didn't he do that? Well, I would imagine that being a political leader rather than a saint, uh, Putin decided that rather than simply trying to save as many lives as possible and avoid the carnage and risk of war, which would be the saintly thing to do, his role as a political leader was to represent the national interests of Russia. And as he said very clearly in his ultimatum, we don't have anywhere left to retreat. You know, we've, we've been invaded from the West uh, repeatedly, with Napoleon and Hitler being the two most famous examples, and you're doing it again. You're putting first strike weapons that can take out Moscow with nukes, uh, very precisely targeted in just seconds. You're, put, you're planning on putting those right up next to our border. Uh, and that's just unacceptable. So come and negotiate these things with us right now or else. And this is the or else. <laughs> We're in the middle of it now. Absolutely right. No doubt about that. He, um, it's, it's funny, it's funny that you, you mentioned it would have been strategically maybe a smart move to take the Russian speakers and the Russian loyalists into Russia and then police the disputed zones, um, Donetsk and Luhansk from Russia. It's funny that you talk strategy. Another strategy, which he hasn't looked at, which I find very strange, he does have a lot of sympathy in South America. And I know you've uh, contemplated this, Kevin, this whole, why not a 2022 Cuban missile crisis? Why not? But this time, put the nukes in, or, or the, the long-range missiles, put them in Brazil, where he's got a good pal, or put them somewhere else. I wonder why he didn't think of doing that. 
Well, he did, I think, mention that possibility. Uh, I forget how specifically, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Uh, We could see nuclear missiles moving into Venezuela or Cuba. That's a real possibility, and that would certainly let the American leadership know how Russia feels, having these weapons put right up next to their capital, uh, moving weapons close to the shores of the United States would create a kind of a, a parody, uh, uh, some P-A-R-I-T-Y, not yeah, a parody. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that actually does happen, assuming that the Americans and NATO don't come to their senses and go, you know, decide to accept Putin's ultimatum as a basis for sitting down and negotiating how we can restore the post-Cold War period of expectations of peace. Very good, Kevin. Um, He might not even need to do it because I understand from reading some of the broadsheet newspapers here that Russia has a class of submarines that are, well, they're way above and beyond um, the the capabilities of submarines that, that the United States have presently. And apparently they've got a submarine that's virtually undetectable. Yes, they have uh, apparently some long-range torpedoes as well that not only can deliver uh, nukes, but they are designed to deliver nukes in such a way as to create radioactive tsunamis that would totally drench and render permanently uninhabitable coastal areas for hundreds of miles around. So I think they have the Russians have a deterrent now that will prevent the U.S. from going the way that Wolfowitz always wanted us to go, which was first-strike nuclear war. The U.S. has always had a first-strike nuclear doctrine. This notion of mutual assured destruction is really a myth. U.S. has always planned to strike first, and uh, very overwhelmingly in the 50s, Daniel Ellsberg revealed how the U.S. was planning to murder at least 500 million people overnight as soon as any hostilities whatsoever broke out with the then-Soviet Union. And I believe that doctrine then evolved in the 60s and became less extreme, but it still involves, as soon as it looks like we've accepted there is going to be a war, then the U.S. strikes first with nuclear weapons. And that's our doctrine, and it's uh, it's just incredibly evil. The Russian doctrine has never been uh, uh, quite that. The Russian doctrine, has there's, there, it has verged on that. But it's generally been a defensive posture, just as geopolitically. You just look at you know what the U.S. does all over the world. It's always on the offensive, uh, trying to you know, invade and occupy countries uh, halfway around the world and put military bases everywhere on the planet. The Russians basically just want to defend their borders. And frankly, I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump, but this America first, let's just defend our borders thing, I think, is exactly what the United States needs. Well, well it is. I mean, you don't – I never I – ne- English in history – is is um I that 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 that's what I did at at, at, at uni. I, I never studied politics. I'm glad I didn't study politics, um or or geopolitical affairs or anything like that. But yeah, you would imagine if you were starting a country from scratch, you said right, we have a country. You would imagine that reasonably minded, decent people would only have enough. I, I mean, even if if they were reasonably minded and decent, maybe they wouldn't even think of it. But that you would just have enough in terms of soldiers and enough equipment just to defend the homeland and nothing else. And that you'd have that stuff if anybody ever came knocking on your door uh, to do you any harm. It's a, it's a good point, that. I, I want to go back to, um, to the whole COVID thing and the belief among some very good analysts and broadcasters who believe that what we're seeing now 
is is somehow connected to the COVID thing. And that it is, you know, just when we kind of had a bit of a moment of pause with COVID. Now, I know it's different in the US, but here they've, you know, removed legal restrictions. They've said, we're not going back to that anymore. People can use their common sense to deal with COVID and all of that. And now, all of a sudden, again, you have a crisis. And people are suspicious of crises or crises. A lot of people are saying to me, Richie, this is stage managed. Whether Putin is aware of it or not, whether Biden is aware of it or not, but this is just stage managed. And they say this will amount to nothing, that this will all blow over in a couple of weeks. What do you think? Well, I don't think it's going to blow over. Uh, and I certainly don't think the whole thing is stage managed in the sense of, as I said, one eye in the pyramid uh, yeah. distracting us. But... Uh, yeah, I do think there is a very strong connection between COVID and what's happening in the Ukraine right now. And yeah, part of it is that they are telling us to hate Russia, hate and fear Russia instead of fearing COVID because we can't fear COVID anymore now that the Omicron variant has made COVID considerably less dangerous than the flu. So we need something else to fear. So yeah, at one level, they're keeping control of population through fear by shifting the target of fear by goading Russia into this war. But I think at a more fundamental and important level, what's really going on is that there is a systemic crisis of empire. The Anglo-Zionist empire, again, is running on fumes. It's funny money. It's fiat green paper that it trades for real goods and services and can print as much as it wants of is on the way out. And this is just a fact of life. So, yeah, the international bankster types who actually have no loyalty to any entity whatsoever, they see that that's happening and then they plan accordingly. Well, but they're making it happen, aren't they? The the international gangster yeah. cartels, they're, it's, cashless is their dream and digitalized currency with rules, rules-based digital currencies. That's their ultimate dream, Kevin, isn't it? Absolutely. But those people are currently based in institutions that are basically implicated in and tied into the Anglo-Zionist empire. So just as... You know, for instance, Israel, as much as it may do terrible things to the United States, such as the, uh, the Levant affair bombing American targets in Egypt, trying to blame Egypt, the 1967 USS Liberty incident, uh, trying to slaughter uh, hundreds of American sailors and then blame that on Egypt as well, or 9-11, where I believe as, you know, I know you don't, Richie, but I'm, I think Israel was the main player in blowing up the Twin Towers and murdering those people to drag the U.S. military into wars on Israel's enemies. So it, Israel does, uh, it, it, it does terrible things to the United States on a regular basis, but it doesn't want to completely destroy the United States anytime soon because the basis for its its own power is this Anglo-Zionist empire, and it wants to keep that empire going. And likewise, with the international banksters, they may not be loyal to anything but their own uh, sick love of power and their own egos, but the power that they have comes through these institutions that have been developed through this empire. So they want to keep that empire going, and that empire is shaky right now. So COVID was an attempt to shore up that empire by slowing China's economic rise by hitting China with COVID. And anybody who doubts that should take a look at my Rumble video put out last week. Oh, it's already over 50,000 views. It's uh, called COVID-19 bio-attack uh, smoking gun. And it goes over the evidence that Ron Unz is best known for uh, putting together 
that there's just no question that that's what happened, that United States military or some small secretive subcomponent thereof hit Wuhan with COVID in October of 2019, presumably with the purpose of uh, having it carried all over China at the Chinese New Year, and, you know, when everybody in China goes through Wuhan, and paralyzing the country. This is after they'd already paralyzed China's meat supply with repeated biological attacks in 2018-2019. Yes, but how could they be so incompetent, Kevin? Because COVID-19, um, the original and the best, the first one, um, is virtually harmless to the great majority of people. So if they were going to, I'm not saying I disagree with your thesis, but if they were going to release it in China to paralyze China, they made a, as we say in Ireland, they made a balls of it because it, it's a relatively harmless uh, virus unless you've got comor- comorbidities or unless you're very, very old. Well, no, it's, it's actually an optimal bioweapon uh, for going after economies. The way you try to paralyze an economy is not just by killing a lot of people. You, what you try to do is, is force the other side to expend lots of resources trying to stop the spread and to care for the sick. And that's yeah. what's happened. We've seen that COVID is a perfect bioweapon. Just look what happened over the past two years. So it's a perfect bioweapon. The only problem was that it didn't stay contained in China and Iran, which is where it was delivered. Now, yeah. it's why were they so stupid, Kevin? Why were the Chinese and Iranian government so stupid? I mean, why? How could they not figure out? They did that- figure out. They've been China. Uh, Iran has repeatedly called this a U.S. biological attack exactly. and, and well, taken so, it so to the United crazy. Nations. So I'll finish my question based on that. So they did know. If they did know, then why did they fall for the trap of shutting down their economies and doing themselves so much damage? Well, because the, the fact is, Richie, that it's it, it's far from harmless. I mean, COVID, it kills about one out of 200 people. And if you... It doesn't. I, I totally refute that. I could play you a clip. Well, I've, I've lost friends from it. Uh, by, by, you know, John, by, you know, I've lost, I've lost a couple of friends and I've had three others uh, hospitalized within an inch of their lives. Uh, so I don't think there's any question that it does kill a lot of people. And Look, the I, do believe, I do believe yeah. you when you say that because I, I know you, you don't tell me. I had it myself, and it's not that fun. I mean, it really messes with your lungs in a way that a normal flu doesn't. Yeah, I had it myself. In, well, I think I had it, whatever it's supposed to be, in January 2020. But 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 the fact is, Kevin, and, and this is coming from some of the, the, the greatest control freaks in the world. I'm talking about the English chief medical officer, Chris Whitty. This thing, 99.7% survivability rate, It you really have to be unlucky to get seriously unwell with this. The great majority of the population, it just brushed through them. And that, that's the absolute, you've only got to look at the death figures. So, so that's, that's what I can't understand. The Chinese and the Iranians would have known that. And yet they, they were suckered into, you know, causing such economic catastrophe to themselves. I just can't figure this out. Well, well, in, in Iran, people are very paranoid about it because they know it's a U.S. bio attack and there are, what, 100,000 or something, a huge number of Iranians are dead. It was uh, the Americans attacked Qom, Iran, which is the headquarters of the, uh, the leading mullahs, uh, and that was where it jumped immediately after China. And there's no, there are no Chinese in Qom and very few Chinese in Iran at all, so it was obviously a biological attack. And uh, just about everybody in Iran uh, knows friends or family or has friends or family who have died from it it's 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 not it's you know it's it's worse than what you're saying richie the, the you know it's true that the mainstream line about it is wrong in all sorts of ways 
Um, masks don't help very much. Uh, the, the vaccines probably do as much damage as good in the long run, for all we know. Uh, and now the Omicron variant is much, much less dangerous. So yeah, Bill Gates said Bill Gates said that the Omicron variant is doing a better job than his dodgy jabs, which is um, <laughs> which is fascinating. All I can say is that I've interviewed nurses and doctors, and I don't believe them to be liars. And I vetted them inside out. They worked in hospitals. I live, would you believe, Kevin, within three minutes, five minutes tops of one of the biggest hospitals in the northwest of the UK. And I've had nurses and doctors go on the record and say that we were being lied to back in March, April of 2020, that wards were empty and that even in places that were seemingly busy, they were busy because they'd taken out hospital beds for social distancing. I say, I don't know what to make of it. I know that you believe what you're saying. I know you're very clever. And I know that you know people who died of it. But everything, and I'm not dogmatic about my opinions. I'm open-minded. Everything I've seen in this country tells me that they wildly exaggerated the death figures. And I have doctors and nurses coming on telling me, Richie, they were reporting in the local press that we were overwhelmed and we were making TikTok videos. Someone is lying somewhere. Well, I've seen some of that too, but I've also seen a lot of uh, people, doctors and nurses, saying the exact opposite, yeah. including yeah. some I know and family members. Uh, I, I think that it's true that the average person has been dosed with fear propaganda to the point that they think it's vastly more dangerous than it is. And, and the polls prove that. There have been polls that showed that, you know, if you ask people, well, you know, what, what's the mortality figure of COVID? Uh, or if I catch it, how likely am I to die? And they imagine that it's vastly worse than it really is. As I said, a, a good kind of ballpark here, maybe for the United States anyway, is like 0.5% or 1 in 200. And globally, it, it may be considerably less than that, given that Americans tend to be old, obese, and not in very good shape. Not you. You're not obese. You're, you're in good shape, uh, Mr. Barrett. It's exactly 22 minutes or 21 minutes to the top of the air. They'll be screaming at you now on my website. Ah, oh, that Barrett is a shell. Making up <laughs> the usual stuff. But people, sadly, one of the things we, we, you and I have both noticed in the last 5, 10 years, that even consumers of the independent media, there's a lot of polarization. And people are, you know, wedded to their opinions. And often they don't like to hear the other side of it. But uh, tough shit paddy, as we say in Ireland. On this program, you'll get every opinion. Uh, Kevin Barrett is our guest, truthjihad.com. Excellent writer and broadcaster. Do check him out. Patricia says it's obvious, says Patricia in Zurich, to anyone paying attention, there is a control system ruling all governments, she says. First, put puppets in power, pull their strings, and the controllers have the power they want. In the beginning, lockdowns, yellow stripes on floors, plastic protection at cashiers. Oh, now drop most mandates in most countries. This isn't working anymore. And then she says, oh, wait, look over there. War between Russia and Ukraine. So she goes along with the Spiro there. So Kevin, if, um, if I'm wrong and this doesn't blow over, like, um, cause I, I thought this morning that the Russian president was basically, I thought the military operation was to secure, um, Donbass basically, uh, Donetsk. That's, that's what I thought. And maybe I, maybe I, I'm right. Maybe that's what it is. But if the, Legacy or mainstream media is right, and they are a bunch of liars and criminals, but they're saying that Russian forces are coming in from all angles, north and to the south. If he is determined to take over the country and to replace the U.S. puppet government that exists there at the moment with his own puppet government, what might that mean? 
uh, will will the West just stand back and say, well, there's nothing we can do really because Russia is too powerful, so we will sanction them or try to sanction them back to the Stone Age? Or could is there is there some scenario where there might be a conflict between Western forces, NATO forces, and Russia? How do you see it? Well, I doubt if there will be uh, World War Three overnight here. And I, I don't think that Russia wants to fully occupy all of Ukraine. In fact, I'm sure they don't. Um, I think the reason that they are attacking other parts of Ukraine besides Donetsk and Luhansk is because that's the military, uh, militarily intelligent thing to do is you, is, is decapitating Ukrainian power so they can, uh, achieve their objectives, whatever those are. And I would imagine that kind of taking out Ukraine as a, an anti-Russian player, one way or another, is the end game here. And what way that is will partly depend on who's you know who's willing to cooperate with the Russians in what way in, in Ukraine and internationally. But uh, we we don't know for sure. I mean, I I kind of th- I didn't think that uh, Russia would actually launch this size of an invasion because I thought this whole thing was largely about killing the Nord Stream pipeline. That is, the West goaded the Russian bearer to do this so they would have an excuse to shut down that pipeline and starve Europe. That, this is really a war against Europe by the United States and the Anglo-Zionist Empire that wants Europe to have to pay top dollar prices for fracked American energy instead of getting cheap energy from Russia. That's the real point of this whole thing. And so the Russians uh, have called that bluff, and they're they're not going to allow Ukraine to turn into a NATO country. And I don't think the Anglo-Zionist Empire is going to go to World War III over that. Uh, so I think that the Russians are ultimately going to succeed here by taking Ukraine out of the picture as a NATO ally. Sadly, and finally, for, for the moment, thanks for coming on today and changing around and coming on today. Sadly, ultimately, quite a few people are going to die, aren't they? And most of them are ordinary Joes, you know, working people. It, for, it doesn't matter what their politics are. This is what happens when, 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 when lunatics do what lunatics do. Ordinary men, women and children die. That's right. And, you know, I just wish that American leaders had thought of this back in the, in the 90s and, and early 2000s as they were talking, you know, when they were thinking about the future of NATO. It never should have been pushed right up to Russia's borders. Russia would not even be an enemy of the West. It would be just another trade competitor and slash partner if that decision hadn't been made. Kevin, thanks, mate. Love, you know I love having you on. It's great to have the back and forth with you. Brilliant broadcaster, folks. Kevin is on Twitter. Go to truthjihad.com. He's on Rumble as well. Listen to his broadcast. Get a different perspective. All the best, mate. And to Rabia as well. I can't wait to speak again. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, thank you, Richie. Kevin Barrett, live on the Richie Allen Show.